the I didn't realize you liked me that way deal. Because it's one thing to receive McDonald's, but an entirely other thing to know that they woke up early to face the world and bring you McDonald's breakfast still hot in the bag. Appreciate you. There's a deal for every morning. Now grab two loaded sausage burritos for only three bucks. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. The future will be amazing. And that's all well and good. But what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400 horsepower Nissan Z. Or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. Hello, how are you today? This is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from Key Largo. Florida Keys in Florida, the United States, the world. Soul, solar system, the Milky Way. I don't know for what constellation we're in, but uh, are we in a constellation? Because, well, I guess if someone was looking at us, we would be in a constellation if uh, on another, some consciousness was. Uh, I diverge. Once again, that's what I do. So, I wanted to talk a little about tip pooling. I was on one of the groups I belong to on Facebook, and someone had a problem with semantics, and they call it tip pooling and tip pooling, and there's argument over the semantics, which, you know, if you understand what the other person's talking about. I mean, why make a point of it? You can point out and say, oh, okay, I thought you were saying that and let it go. I should do that more often, letting things go. That's just me. I'm not telling you what to do. But tip pulling is the process, for those of you not in the restaurant business, it's when all the people that are tipped employees would put, during a shift, put their tips in one big, you know, basket, bucket, whatever you do. And then at the end of shift, split it, depending on the amount of time you worked. So they do that and they do the tip outs from it and all that stuff. And there's... The positive aspects of it and the negative aspects of it. I'll start with the negatives and I'll end up with the, I'll finish up with the positives. The negatives is one of them is that sometimes people don't work as hard. Sometimes they're not that busy. Sometimes they're not as good, let's say. They work harder, they just don't work smarter and things like that. And people say, well, I. I generate so much income for the tip pool that it just doesn't make sense for me to pull. I just rather work on my own. Now the positives. The positives is that it gives a stable tip 
every night, depending on how busy it is. And if you're, I guess, in a smaller environment like I work at the catch in Key Largo at Mile Marker 102, that at most times it's only three fully tipped people. And then we have a, a busser that we tip out. And what I feel it does is supports in kind of a, a feeling of com- camaraderie. You know, we're all in it together, doing the best job. When you're talking to someone, say, hey, listen, you know, we don't really point people out and say, listen, we we got to take care of this table. And then when you're you're taking care of all the customers, like when the food comes out, you want the food to be good for that table. You should always want that because in general, you ever hear the term, a rising tide raises all ships, meaning If your place is doing well, you get more people that come in because they get a better reputation for what they do. And that's serving good food in a timely manner with a a courteous demeanor. Right? And having nice surroundings and things like that. All those things. All those things that support a good establishment help you in the long run. And it's... It's I guess the term would be communitarian, not communist. Communitarian. It's community, and the community you're working in supports you, and everyone doing well ensures that more people do well. I would try to stay away from that individual thing because, as a if I was a restaurateur, if I was the owner. I would want everyone to do well because everyone doing well means you're doing the right thing and you have a good reputation. Now, one person doing well and another person not doing well does not support the whole group. And a lot of times when they're not doing well, sometimes people like to help. And they say, hey, listen, I do this. This is what, you know, they get, they kind of give them hints. They support them. It's just an all-around way to create an atmosphere of a team atmosphere. Now, I understand on the flip side, when we go back to the not-so-great aspects of it, in a big, a bigger environment, a bigger pool, tip pool, you can have people that really don't pull their weight, don't do their side work. Side work is work you have to do other than directly serving a customer. The one that supports your ability to serve the customer, that's, that's your side work. Whatever it is. And it's a pain in the ass sometimes. Yes, I know. But, but the way you look at it, if you look at it as an essential part of your job that helps you earn more money, then it's better. That's just my take on it. And part of the thing is not ridiculing people. I mean, this is not directly tip. Whether they call it tip pulling or tip pooling. It's tip pooling the way it is. But you do pull your tips. When you pull your tips, you're pull, like if you someone gives you cash and you're cashing out, you take the cash money and you throw it in there. And you got to watch out people holding back. You know, people go, I don't understand these customers and say, listen, this is for you. 
I'm going to give this to you. Well, I mean, if you're going to do it, tell people. And make sure that, you know, if they if it's part of the tip, if it's the tip that they're going to give on their check, then they're taking money from everyone else because the other servers or bartenders, right, and bartenders are putting, should be putting all their money in. If you have a separate stash that you're taking money, and I, when someone gives me extra money and say, this is for you, I take it and I put it in the tip pool. Just part of the thing. If you don't do that, I don't want to judge you as a horrible person. But I just said what you are, right? You're a horrible person. You're selfish. Because other people have been doing, should have been doing the right thing and putting that money in. So that's pretty much it for that subject. On another note, in the tropics, especially down here, in a lot of different places where there's tourists all around, there are signs. When I talk about people, that there's signed people and there's non-signed people. And I'm not talking about people that are into astrology, sign language, omens, secret, you know, secret hand signs, traffic signs. I'm talking about painted signs, refrigerator magnets, and things like that. They're static things, right? And I know they have other signs where they have LED lights where they you can program them, things like that. And that's great. That's fucking great. What I'm saying is the signs that say something like that was funny 20 years ago. Or maybe funny today, but you're going to have it for a while if you buy these signs. And one of them I, for years, and it, they'd had them in bathrooms. I remember going to my friend's house and, his, and it was a little thing on the toilet and it was a monkey sitting on the toilet and said, if you sprinkle when you tinkle, be a sweetie, lift the CD. It could have said wipe the CD too. Kind of cute the first time you read it. But I imagine after 20 years of it being there, it loses its allure. Like the one person that has one joke. You know, how funny. The first time you hear a horse walks into a bar and the bartender says, why the long face? It may be funny. But I heard that 40 40 years ago. Now, if I'm telling someone that never heard it before, do you know this one? Blah, 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 blah. Not that I do. I mean, it's. I think people tell that joke as a thing saying, you want to hear a joke? There's one. You know? Everyone has their specialty jokes and stuff like that. I'm not a joke guy per se. But these signs, these fucking signs, there's all different ones. Like, be a pirate. I always want to be a pirate. I'm a grown-up. I'm going to be a pirate. You know, that's a sign. You know, they have a picture of a guy dressed like Captain Morgan holding a beer or a bottle of rum. Another one that hangs over a bar. I'd rather be drinking here than freezing my ass off up north. And people go crazy for that one. And I'm looking at it. The first time I saw it, I go, well, okay. Well, who wants to be fucking freezing? 
I mean, unless you're one of those people that go through like cold therapy, right? I mean, you have to be kind of an asshole and goes, but that thing just doesn't make any sense. And that one sign I see all the time, people take pictures of it. And they say, oh, where can I get that sign? Where, and then I go, well, what are you going to do with the sign? Do you have a property down here? No. You have a property up north. Well, that's not going to work up there, right? If you're from the upper, the UP in Michigan, the upper peninsula, and you put up a sign over your bar, I'd rather be here drinking than freeze my ass off up north. What are you referring to? Saskatchewan? The Arctic? Yeah, it's really great. That sign works here. I mean, I was trying to uh, I was trying to tell somebody that sells these signs. I said, you know, I'd rather be down drinking in the south and in the tropics than freezing my ass off up here. Which that works if they buy it and they take that sign up there. So it only works for people. I think it only works for people down here. But there's a whole bunch of things there. It's it's like saying one thing that's good. Right? Because they're drinking up north, too. It's not like people come down to fucking Key Largo and that's all they're going to... Oh, well, they drink. I don't drink when I'm up north. I just drink when I'm in Key Largo or the Florida Keys or Key West. But they say something good in the beginning and something bad in the beginning. I mean, at the end. So, you could say the second thing just has to be... I'd rather be drinking here than getting a prostate exam. I'd rather be drinking here than renewing my driver's license. I'd rather be drinking here than getting my dog groomed or choosing a wedding reception venue or going to my aunt's house for Sunday dinner. Or you can say the first thing could just be really horrible. I'd rather be having my tooth pulled than having my foot amputated. I mean, all those signs work in the, in the thing. And when you put them up, it may be funny originally, but it's going to be sitting there. You can understand where I'm talking about these things because I don't like tchotchkes. I mean, a painting has different nuances to it when you look at it. It has different meaning. It has feeling to it. But a message on a sign, unless it's really deep, I think, therefore I am. I think that's Descartes. I think, therefore I am. There's whole different thought when you put it on. But they do this in um, AA rooms. They always have these signs up. But the signs reinforce the primary mission of the group. It'll say, think, think, think. It'll say, one day at a time. Meaning, that sobriety, you approach one day at a time. It's a reinforcing message. It's almost like propaganda. But propaganda that works to reinforce it. If you were going to like have someone watching their weight, you say, hey, a moment on the lifts, a lifetime on the hips. Or you shouldn't be eating carbs, you should be eating something healthy. Instead of having that candy bar, 
How about a carrot? Shit like that. I'm not big on signs. You could tell that. I get crazy. I'm so, and they, there's a commercial for, I think it's progressive. And it's fucking hilarious. It's don't turn into your parents. And I guess there's a certain age where people become sign people. And if you're in your 20s and you're a sign person already, oh, Jesus, I, you're doomed. You are doomed. Putting that shit. Well, I got a tiki bar. I'm in, I'm in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. I got a tiki bar outside my house. And in February, when I put up my propane heater under my tiki hut, I want to have some tropical signs there. Yeah, I understand. It's, it feels a little desperate and lame to be... That's the fashion you want to emulate. You're building a, a tiki bar there. It, it doesn't bother me to no end. It's just like, it just fascinates me that people come all the way down here <clears throat> and there's so much to see and do. Excuse me one moment. <clears throat> there's so much to see and do. And they're going to take a picture of a sign and say, well, this is what I got from my experience. I brought this sign. Oh, I love rum. I rather, oh, I went down to Key West. I drank too much and I shat myself and got in an argument with my wife and was taken in by the police. That's a good sign, too. And you could look at that for a couple of years. How would that be? So, I apologize to say this, but I don't get that. I just don't get it. And if you are a signed person, maybe get a picture. Have a picture of yourself. You know, with the sunset. Or with the furthest, you know, the south marker in Key West. Or a picture being chased by a shark. That's interesting. No one else will have that. That'll be great. Look great on your wall. People look at it and go, wow, is that a real shark? So if you're a regular listener, it sounds like I'm really into, I guess I'm concerned about fitness, but I'm not super concerned of it. I don't have any particular goal other than to be generally fit. And I want to talk about two aspects of that. So about seven, no, is it? Almost 10 months ago. Almost 10 months ago. In two weeks, it'll be 10 months ago, I had the operation removing the lump from my neck. And prior to that, because of all the rescheduling stuff, it created some sort of anxiety in me and I wasn't eating so much. And during the COVID lockdown in the beginning, I wasn't working out at all. I mean, the gyms were closed, and that's where I regularly did it. When I first came down, we regularly did my workout. I went to the gym. I had this thing where I do like 18 different exercises and do some cardio, and I do my spin and stuff like that, and I mix it up, and I try to hit all my different area muscle groups. Well, when the gyms closed, I tried, you know, we got bikes. I had my bike, and wife and daughter and I was trying to bike riding, and walking 
I bought a stationary bike, a one you, you sit back and you pedal, just to burn some calories. And I got into a rut where I didn't work out that much. And we were baking and cooking and that was fun. And it was the quality of life, meaning the way for the two months where I was cloistered with the family was great. I love my family. But for my body, it was not. Now, it wasn't the heaviest I've been. I gotten close to like 250. Or maybe I was. I was in my, I guess, 240s. And what happens with the body as you age? I, I know a lot of listeners because I don't have a ton of young listeners. But if there are young people, what happens? You're either going to naturally put on weight or naturally lose weight. And if you're losing weight, that's not necessarily better than gaining weight. If you lose weight for no apparent reason, it could be a, a sign that you have a medical problem. But you you put on weight and you lose muscle mass and all those things. So we all, most people that listen to the podcast, I know you understand that a pound of fat and a pound of muscle takes up a little, a pound of muscle takes a lot less space than a pound of fat. Muscle's more dense. Like the difference between, let's call it like aluminum and steel. You have the, you know, you have a, it's just, it just takes up, it's more weight for the same amount of space that you have for aluminum. So if you took a one inch block of steel, one inch block of aluminum, there'll be a drastic difference in the weight. And that's similar to fat and muscle. So during COVID, I was putting on more fat and my weight didn't change a lot than it did prior. But I was, it seemed like I was, the, the, the muscle portion was shrinking and the fat portion was increasing. And over the years, I had accumulated more clothes. I had clothes that I used to fit into 14 years ago. And it kind of directly, I guess if I can just focus on one area, my waistline. When I first moved down here, I was kind of like, I was in my very good shape. I wasn't in my tip-top shape I was, which was probably when I was a freshman in college. But I was in pretty real, pretty good shape for a guy in the mid-40s. And when I went to college, I was a 29, 30-inch waist. And when it came down here, 23 years, or no, 25 years after I first started college, I had a 32-inch waist. I was pretty, yeah. Pretty, pretty good shape by then. And over the intervening years from then, when I came down to, to a year ago, I had been moving up an inch, an inch, an inch, an inch, and it, where I ended up like 36 with 36 inch waist was tight. I know it's not a lot, but considering that I'm a fitness instructor, it was a decent amount. Plus, you know, hey, you're fighting father time. And father time's going to win most of the time. Unless you do something, uh, I wouldn't say drastic, but you have to make a commitment. So here I went. I I had put on some weight, got a little flabby. And then right before, a month or two before, I started losing weight. I started working out a little before the um, operation because they opened up the gyms again. 
And I said, you know what? Maybe I should get in decent shape before I have the operation. So, you know, I want to feel good when I do it. And I started working out like a couple months before getting back. And I got my my weight was around 218, 216, which is good. <clears throat> About five, six pounds heavier than when I first came down to the Keys. <clears throat> and, you know, like I said, I went up to nearly 250. But it was an amorphous kind of weight, meaning I, I still 34-inch waist and all that stuff. But I did notice that when I dropped those 20 pounds, let's say 25 pounds, that my tight pants at 36 became loose. And then afterwards, I recommitted and I watched what I was eating and stuff. And I haven't lost any additional weight since then, but I have lost inches. So it may sound like a high-class problem, but I have all this clothes that used to be tight, the super tight stuff I never wore. Like I had hopes. I mean, I never had hopes that I would get back to a 32-inch waist. Well, I got back to a 32-inch waist. Matter of fact, maybe a little less than that. Who knows? Because I'm concentrating on that core, my core problem. And I'm not, this isn't a workout podcast. But I still had some of that clothes I bought. The, let's call it my heavier clothes. I don't want to be shamer, but you know, fat clothes. Let's say. So I had shorts that had adjustable waist on them, and now I can't even get them down to the side where they just stay on. They kind of fall off my hips, and I'm not bragging. It's not a bragging thing. So we're going through. The wife and I are going through the drawers, and I'm looking at them, and I go, "Oh well, what the, what the fuck? Now I can't even fit um, uh, the old clothes that was too tight when I got heavy. It fits good, some of them, and some of them are still a little loose. Now the ones I bought to adjust to being heavier, they're way too loose, and they're not comfortable anymore. When you you ever have a pair of pants, you'd have to get a belt, and it just sucks. You know, you don't want that." bunching up around your waist and all that shit. But the wife says, well, you don't need these anymore. Why don't you get rid of them? And I'm going, well, what what if I put on weight again? It would suck if I got rid of this and I had to buy them again. Well, that is kind of a negative bullshit to say. Well, I better keep these in case I put on weight. Everyone knows the thing where you have your thin clothes and say, I keep these in case I lose weight. And I never did that thing. I never had clothes that says, well, maybe when I, if I gain weight, I'll have these at least. And there was a bunch of things. Like there was, I had uh, sports coats that fit better now. And shit like that. You know, there's no gap in the front when you're buttoning it. So, I mean, I'm kind of glad I kept that because, I, you know, you're in, I, I mean, I was in denial when they kept the clothes. And I said, I really wasn't going to do it. But I had that, the instigation to lose weight because of the operation. And I realized, wait, all I have to do is concentrate on the exercises I don't like, which is sit-ups. Yep, sit-ups just tighten up that core. So, I don't know if I'm, 
holding on, is that a bad thing? I don't know. Holding on to clothes and saying, in case I get fat. It's like, I wouldn't get rid of, why get rid of crutches? You know, what if I break my foot again? I haven't broke my foot, but why would you get rid of crutches if you had them? So there, there is maybe an overly cautious way to live life, and maybe I shouldn't be doing that. Speaking of that, and then making the segue to it, age-related issue. Age. I never really considered what it like would be like to be the age I am now, 58. 58 years old. I think on some of the sites that when I join a group and stuff like that and they ask for my age, I always, instead of saying putting the year I was born, I, I put it 10 years earlier. Not because I'm trying to, I don't tell people that. I just don't want to be given content that they think someone my age would like. Because some people my age we don't actually a lot of people my age I do like the the same things except for maybe those fucking signs I was talking about you know no fussing no cussing no back talk that's from that commercial progressive so but I never really consider what it would like being 58 would it what it would be like being 58 and I recall my maternal grandfather died before he reached, I think he was in his early 50s. If I'm not, maybe, yeah, he was, he was, he was a, and he died, died of a massive heart attack. He was a fireman. And my paternal grandfather died in this, I guess he was in his 60s. If he was born in 1906, maybe. So he would have been like 64, 65, maybe. He didn't make it far into retirement, I'll tell you that. And he wasn't very healthy at the end of it. But that was a day where everyone smoked. And I I thought about it. I think about, I see people at my gym, I see them coming into work, and I look, well, how do I want to be? How old do I want to be? I read articles about how, you know, they're talking about, there's some articles that say the limits of human uh, longevity is around 120. But right around 120, you know, that's not, a really great place to be sometimes. But you heard me talk about people in their 90s setting records, sports records for their age group and improving times for like sprints or whatever a sprint someone does when they're 100 years old. I mean, it's a quality of life, isn't it? But I don't know what it would be like being that. How would I want, how tenacious will I be to hold on? A couple years ago, this, is, this story is related, so bear with me. 
there was uh, down. They have an invasive species of toad called the cane toad down here in South Florida, and they originally put it into the sugarcane fields to eat some of the uh, insects that would attack sugarcane. And they turned out that they put the wrong type of toad in there. They took this Bofu toad from Central America, and what it has is a neurotoxin. It excretes from its skin, and it's harmful to dogs and hum- I mean, humans. If you pick up a it could give you a neurological disorder. It could kill you. It, kill- it has killed dogs down here. Well, when it's rainy season, I guess they're dormant when it's not raining, just like a lot of other amphibians and reptiles. They started popping up. You see them. I know they're still around here and stuff like that. Every so often I see the little ones hopping around. And they get big. They get size of a Cornish game hen and stuff like that. And I had bought a pellet gun to control it. Originally, I froze them. You get ice, and you when you catch it, you freeze it. Because I don't, I'm not one of those people that take really great pleasure in killing a living creature. But if it's a a invasive species that could kill my dog, if I'm walking my dog at night, I'm going to pick my dog first. So one time I'm I came across them three times, and I killed one in the driveway with the pellet gun, and it looked like I killed somebody. There was a pool of blood there. My neighbor asked me, what the fuck's going on here? Did you have an accident? And I said, well, it's a cane toad. And, you know, it looks like a pint of blood was spilled in the driveway. And I said, that's from the cane toad. And it wasn't a pint of blood, but it was just a decent amount of blood to be spread all over the driveway. And I had to hose it off and stuff. I had a nice red stain there. It looked like a crime scene, actually. Well, another time... I caught it near my shed, and I shot it, and I tried to pull it out. I put a glove on and tried to pull it, and it held on so, it was so tenacious. I felt so bad. It, sh- it so wanted to live. And, uh, yeah, I know, I sound guilty. I'm going to be in the post-apocalyptic world. I, I may not survive. I'm not, I'm not brutal enough, I guess. Uh, so, I think about that cane toad I think man is that the way it is when you get older are people desperate or is there enough inconvenience or pain that you you know that you're ready you know when who are the people that you know die gracefully and who are the people that don't want to and I'm not just talking about death I'm talking about aging and I thought how long do I want to live and Part of it is I want to live for my family right now. I want to be there for them. But I also want them to be all right with me passing when it's time. And I want to be all right with that too. Where you're confident that you did the things you need to do in order to ensure you're like at the end of the day, you did what you needed to do in order to get things done. Did you miss out? And you see, always see people and say, oh, I got to take care of this stuff. I got to go here. I got to go there. And a lot of people, there's a range of people that have different experiences in their life. There's people that grow up, they live and die within 10 miles of where they were born. 
I had a friend in high school. I remember talking to him after high school. We, you know, we used to smoke pot together, drink beer in the woods and all that stuff before I got my shit together in high school and got serious about it. And he didn't necessarily go that path. And when I ran into him in his early 20s, I was talking to him in something about the Jersey Shore. And I said, oh, well, you know, summertime and stuff, you get to go down the shore. He goes, I've never been in New Jersey. Now, he's been to the Poconos, and that's about 80 miles north, but he never went into New Jersey. And I, th- I was fascinated by that. I was fascinated. I said, you never went over the bridge? And New Jersey was literally a mile and a half away from us. Obviously, there's a big Delaware River there, so we'd have to go either 12 miles, 15 miles north, or 5 miles south to get to Jersey. But he never found the reason to go there and he never decided to go down the shore or anything like that and I thought oh that's interesting but that does not necessarily make for a bad life just because you live and die without going you know it's world travelers that are total assholes totally selfish and they never grow and they just go and do these things and they're total assholes and there's people that don't get to go anywhere let's say if you're ill that have great depth of feeling and thought. So it really doesn't matter. But with this, when it comes to age at the end of the day, what what do I need to do and what do I need to feel and what kind of condition do I feel that I want to be in? There's people always talk about, you know, I don't wanna I don't want to ever be a burden or things like that. And who does? I mean who in the right mind wants to be a burden? I don't want to, I'm selfish. It's not not just wanting to be a burden, but I'm, I'm like most people, I'm somewhat in, independent. I like doing things myself. But it's very easy. I'm, you know, one or two illnesses away from being in a condition where I have to be helped and, and I can become a burden. One, no, I'm one accident, one illness away. Like most people, but age is that slow, creeping thing of decline. And I, the way I approach it right now is I say, I got to be healthy. I got to work out, keep my body strong, do what I can. I'm not going to break my body in order to keep it healthy. When I say break my body, I'm not going to... I don't want to overdo anything, strain anything, ruin my knees or my hips in order to be a 20-year-old. I'm never going to be a 20-year-old again. I had the opportunity to be in the best fit 20-year-old at one time. Now, sometimes that's not necessarily the best thing in the world to do. Sometimes it's great that you didn't do that when you were in your, your teens and your 20s. Think of all these athletes that destroy their bodies. When I say destroy your body, working out and training is an act of destruction and rebuilding. Right? You're just working out. You're tearing things down like your muscles and so it gets bigger and stronger. For So it's, it is, you are doing harm and as you get older, your body doesn't repair as well. So you got to be cognizant of that, I think. And there's always these people that are taking that. I, I see people down here 
we have a large wealthy community and some of the guys it looks like they they uh, may take some what would you say more extreme solutions to remaining healthy there's human growth hormone and I take testosterone I take uh, one to help you know ensure that my I'm 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 maintaining muscle, right? I'm trying to maintain. And you can't just, the way I view it, you can't go to zero and hope, let's say zero is your, your median, where you are right now. And you got to maintain. You got to go a little above and you're going to drop down. So you got to work a little harder to get to that point. There's always going to be decline. There's always going to be some decline. But right now, I think, now... I, I know right now, for some reason, my lung capacity is not as good as it used to be. I don't know if it's because of the mask, because I have to train with the mask on or not. But as long as I keep on trying to do my cardio and stuff like that, I'm going to ensure that whatever capacity I have, I'm going to try to maximize it. And I could have done a lot better if I didn't smoke when I was younger. But I'm not going to poop. I'm not going to get upset. I'm going to say poop. Poo-poo it. Something like that. You can take care of yourself all your, for years and something you could get something that kind of fucking fuck you up for a long term. So what I thought was in the end when I thought about age-related issues, I'm going to see what happens. I'm not going to worry about it. There are people born with debilitating problems and they live them their whole life. And they live it they live a satisfying life to themselves. So I'm not going to measure myself against someone else. I know there's people that are my age better shape. I know there's people my age that aren't as uh, good a shape. I'm not in a competition with them. I have a thing that I have to meet myself every day. And if I don't do it that day then okay, at least I have my goals. I have another day to do it. I do realize if I don't do it for a while, what happens when you get older? It happens quickly. The decline happens so quick. And I've seen it. I've seen some really healthy people take it. Younger people, they bounce back. Someone from serious illness, pretty amazing. So in the end, I think maybe I shouldn't really worry about that. I have people that come to my spin class that are in their 70s, one in particular, who she's in awesome shape and she has a great attitude. And she talks about getting older and stuff like that. But then I see people coming in there in their 30s and they're half her age and they're not nearly as good a shape as she is, but it's her Attitude, And I just realized, hey, you know what? Maybe you should lose that thing where you kind of make, you know, where you do that humble. It's not a humble brag, a humble insult to yourself. I'm getting older. Yeah, well, everyone is. And you're doing your best. You're doing your best and you're feeling good and you're not going to worry about that. Because like they say, the one good sign I've seen, one day at a time. That's all it is. And some days I don't feel so hot. Other days I feel great. I probably feel a lot worse if I didn't do any of this stuff that I do right now. 
And I encourage anybody out there, when they have the opportunity to do the best they can do for yourself today. I'd like to thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like it, please share it with your friends. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And if you have any questions for me, please send me an email to jim at keysbartender.com. That's jim at keysbartender.com. And if you're coming down to the Keys and you come down to visit me at the Catch Restaurant at Mile Marker 102, please send me a message that you're coming in. I'll make sure that I acknowledge it. And I can tell you if I'm, you know, there's a possibility sometimes I take off. Rarely, but sometimes I take off. And I, you know, I don't work every day that we're open even though I'm there a lot some people say that but uh, I am not there all the time hence doing the podcast well thank you very much I hope you have a great day thank you for listening I do appreciate it I appreciate you guys listening to you and this is why I do the podcast right now and if you are interested in being a sponsor once again you can send an email to jim at keysbartender.com it'd probably be great for a local place or uh you know, local resort or local products and stuff like that, and also other ones. Well, thank you very much. Have a great day. Bye. Hey, Mike, what are you doing way up on that ladder? You're going to hurt yourself. Oh, I'm trying to unclog these gutters. That's smart. I had water damage from my gutters last year. It cost me ten grand. Yo, wait, $10,000? Yeah, and from over here, it looks like water's been pouring over your clogged gutters, and it's probably doing real damage to your foundation. You need to do what I did. Get off the ladder and call Leaf Filter. Yeah, but I need to get these gutters flowing now. That's why you need to call Leaf Filter. They'll clean and realign your gutters and install their exclusive micro-mesh screen system so nothing gets in your gutters except water. So Leaf Filter protects my house from damage and means no more gutter cleaning for me? Bingo! Plus Leaf Filter has an industry-leading lifetime warranty, so your gutters are covered for life. Thanks, Frank. I'm calling Leaf Filter today. Don't go another day with your home unprotected. Call 1-844-300-LEAF or go to tryleaffilter.com for your free gutter inspection. Call 1-844-300-LEAF or go to tryleaffilter.com right now for an extra 15% savings. Call 1-844-300-LEAF or go to tryleaffilter.com. That's one 844 300 leaf.